Hello and welcome to a new episode of Other Record Labels. I'm your host, Scott Orr, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. And today on the show, we have a really unique label called uh, Full Plate Records. Now, I'm gonna, um, we're gonna dive deep into this episode, but I wanted to kind of give you a heads up. Um, we, we talk about some physical products um, that Dylan sent me, um, and I kind of show some examples, and we did a video of this. And so this might be an episode, if, you know, if you're listening, I mean, we try to make it friendly for audio listeners, of course. Um, but if you're listening uh, at home and you have a chance to check it out on YouTube, then the same interview will be on YouTube at youtube.com slash other record labels. And you can watch the clip um, or watch the whole interview in video form because then I show some of the examples because this is like a, I want to say like a, a food-based record label, and that's totally the wrong way to, to put it. But it, it, you know, they do some really, really cool things with merch, and we're we're talking about merch, and we're talking about special edition um, releases this whole episode. That's what this episode's about. And so I do show some examples on video. So if you want to check that out, go to YouTube.com/slash/OtherRecordLabels, and you can enjoy today's episode in video format. Otherwise, audio is just as good. Um, Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for all the birthday wishes from last week's episode. Much appreciated. Um, as always, you can subscribe and leave a review and a five-star rating. Only five-star ratings, of course, uh, on Spotify and on Apple Music. And head over to our website, otherrecordlabels.com, where I'm adding new articles weekly. I, I try to add a new article weekly that, that will help you in your label journey. And of course, all of our resources are there at otherrecordlabels.com. Cool. Um, I I want to ask you about these cool packaging things that you do uh, and the releases you put out, and maybe um, tell me a little bit about like why you thought about going down this road to do unique non musical items, um, <laughs> and uh, and then we'll uh, and then we'll, we can tell the our audience a little bit about. I mean, you can tell the audience about some of these interesting things like a a pencil case but go <laughs> go yeah, on yeah. so um right so i guess my x factor and little secret talent thing is like marketing and i get a real kick out of it yeah um and so i've always been like a diy type dude and I, you know i just come from that era of physical goods and physical merchandise and, and just like going to punk shows and like underground hip-hop shows in the 90s and early 2000s where everyone everybody had something cool yeah and it was just like a little artifact you know that yeah. you took with you um so that's always been like a key uh component for me with with putting out music and and it is marketing but I don't really think of it like that, even though I do, but mm -hmm. it's just kind of just what I do. It's just like a little, I like handheld goods and, and, and we've come to the point now after doing it so many times, I realized like, Oh, this isn't an accident. Like, oh. okay, let me just lean into this. Good. And like, what can I figure out now that yeah. we haven't done yet? Yeah. Yeah. So No, that's really interesting. And uh, I like that you use the word artifact because I feel the same way, especially as I get older, I have like, I have things that belong to people who are no longer with us and right. what, you know, whether it's their baseball cap, that is really significant. And same thing with, you know, like a test pressing of my favorite record, oh. you know, the, especially when it, as it becomes more and more exclusive too, you know, like if this is the one thing, 
um, that feels really cool. So I think that's that's important for labels to think about is like that artifact. And sometimes it is just the CD, even if that person yeah. doesn't play the CD. Um, I know that like not everybody listens to this podcast on YouTube, um, but I am I am holding everything uh, here. And, yeah, and we have the chip. Yeah, we have the seasoning pack here. I haven't yeah. used it. I'm gonna. I'm of course I'm not gonna use it. But um, I uh, the the thing that's really interesting. So that went with this record here, which is um, yeah, yeah means supreme. There you go. Thank you. And yeah. on cassette, which the cassette looks good enough on its own, and it came in a, in a little lunch bag, which is great. That's right, um, a little takeout bag. <laughs> and uh, okay, so then we have this. Um, this is this your project? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, at, at, you know, as a label runner for full plate, I'm, I'm Dylan Maurer. That's okay. me. Um, citizen. Um, but then as m my artist name, um, it's just Dylan. I was a very nihilistic, uh, <laughs> young man in my, in the early two thousands when I, my, my first rap name was about as backpack hip hop as you could get. It was intellect with a K sure, past the nineties too well. So I just put my Dylan in a, in a rebellion and now I'm really wishing I didn't, um, this famous German singer named Dylan. Oh who, yeah. yeah. Who is, she's got all the coming she's after Dylan, you. Really she's got all the domains <laughs> anyway, she's coming after you. So, so, so that project in particular is, a collaborative project with my producer partner, J 57, mm -hmm. um, Dylan and J 57. He's on the beats. I'm on the rhymes. Yeah. And we're both born in the year 1983. Okay. And so we, we, I came up with this like trapper keeper type theme and the album cover is an actual trapper keeper. Um, I think, I don't know if I sent you that album in the, in the box, but um, it's, a, it's maybe on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I I, it's have. back over there. Yeah, but it's an actual trapper keeper. If you look at it, it's literally a screen, like a screen grab, scanned trapper keeper. Okay. And we like copied the text. And so the pencil case was to go with the album as kind of like, you know, a pencil case for your trapper keeper. Yeah. 80 vibes. So well, this is funny because, first of all, I don't know if you know this, but I was born in 83 too. All and right, dude. 83 kids. So yes. 83 kids are, are this year are suffering a very uh, tragic <laughs> birthday. But exactly. we, we won't go into that. But <laughs> yeah, no um, doubt. No so, doubt. So uh, it, this reminds me so much of school. It actually, right. it kind of almost in a bad way too. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to go back there. But <laughs> so just for our listeners, what I'm holding here is this plastic, a pencil case that's see-through, like trans, it's, it's, it's like almost neon green, very, very bright green. Yep. And it matches it's, the vinyl, by the way. The matches the vinyl. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it is, uh, like, uh, well, it's transparent completely. And then it has like some green Kelly green pencils in here for them with the logo. So the logo is screen printed on the logo of the artist and the, and the record screen printed on. And then the pencils, uh, are also branded. They're not sharpened. There's five of them. There's a sharpener, uh, white sharpener in here. My kids are going to love this. And, um, and then a, a neon green, uh, eraser. So it's like this whole pack, this is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. 
Um, And so it really does add to the album, right? Because this is like 80s kids would know what this is. Oh, and by the way, you got the punch holes in this. So you're supposed to put this in your binder, right? It's authentic. Yeah, yeah. It's a working pack. Do you remember when you would get these brand new, they would smell so good in September. And then by like May or, or March... It was like scribbled on and it stunk and it was garbage. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so, um, my okay, there's so much I want to talk about about these products. <clears throat> and and we also have, again, I'm just describing this all for the listener, but there's this other project where there's a cassette that comes in a takeout bag. The takeout bag is stamped and then it comes with a little seasoning pouch that has a, a logo on it as well. So you can tell like, right off the bat that there's just some really like wacky connections. We're not, we're not talking about like a cassette that's like a double cassette or a vinyl that has like a poster folded up. We're talking about completely left field ideas. So before I ask you about all of these ideas and, and fans reactions and stuff, like talk to me a little bit about profitability because this pencil case is legit. This isn't DIY. Right. So how does that affect the bottom line of like, it's hard to break even on a record um, before you add a custom pencil case, yep. let alone after. So talk to me a little bit about how does it affect like trying to break even on these projects when you're adding these extra things? Yeah, um, that's a great question. We, we definitely try to minimize costs and I'm definitely like a searchaholic, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I'm a couponaholic and, yeah. and I'm, uh, and I do every little, I cut every, you know, I pull every string to, to get sure. the cheapest, best product. Um, but I think for us, I guess bundling is kind of where we kind of just make up for the loss. We have like our super fans okay. that are going to buy the bundles. Okay. And so we try and make it a cost effective product to add and then just include it in the bundles. And we're kind of known for like, having these wacky, like we did like a, um, for my partner Peyton, we did like a tea mug and like, we got our own style of tea made blended <laughs> for him because he drank tea religiously. <laughs> and then we paired it with like a vinyl record and it's like, drink the tea, enjoy the tea while you listen to the record. And, and the cost, honestly, I guess probably I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. The best thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and then we kind of work backwards from there. And it's like, well, if we're going to get this, what's the minimum quantity? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we have to sell this many and maybe we'll have to promo some and, and yeah. hope that big names, DJs or bloggers will, will, t- will get the promo pack and, and spread the word. And we just kind of hedge our bets against like having like a, a dope fun product. Yeah. And, and so looking at this, um, this 83 kids project. Um, okay. So I get what you're saying now with the artwork. Okay. I didn't notice that. That's cool. Um, so your, yeah, yeah. So your bundle is, um, so for the record itself, which is a green vinyl, it's $24. The CD is 15. The tape is 13. And then the back to school bundle where you get CD tape, t-shirt sticker, Pencil case, vinyl is $65. So I get what you're saying. So you're saying that like, in a way too, like when people buy just the digital or when people buy just the CD, some of that profit pays for, right? 
the bundle yes. and stuff that people, okay. And exactly. you, it looks like you do sell the pencil case by itself for $10. Is that, was that after the fact or did you yeah. make that available right away? We did. So, the, so sometimes like the minimum on certain items <laughs> right. is, is a little higher than we want, but I held it. And we, yeah. it wasn't available until like a year after the fact. Smart. Okay, smart. And I saved it for back to school a year later. So it was like back to school season. And we're like, hey, we got these school. We, yeah. you know, we had extras. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. So then the people who buy the bundle don't feel like. Exactly. Yeah. Out, Gyp, like yeah they, okay. they so, and, you know, the other thing too, that I always think about, especially with vinyl, but if I were to do stickers or if I were to do pencil cases, um, there's a little bit of a loss leader to it as well, where you can give this to your local record store, give them one to, to give away on social media, or you can give it to a handsome Canadian like myself. And uh, you know what I mean? Like there's something about having, when you have to make a hundred of these, was that your minimum a hundred? I believe so. Okay. So if you have to make a hundred of these, then, and you're only going to sell 55 or 60 or whatever, there's still like a lot of great applications with giving them to fans, having yep. them at shows, even just the, the fact we're talking about it right now is right. good for the band. Good for the pop, good for the, for full plate. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I see it as marketing. I see it yeah. as intrinsic to the music itself. And it's like, just cool. It's something that people talk about, even if they don't buy it, they know we did it. They yeah. know that's what we do. Yeah. And that's worth something. It's valuable. It's valuable. And they're fun to give away and fun to like, you know, hook people up. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's so, I've never been sent a pencil case from a label. They <laughs> uh, you can have that um, credit yes. for you. I love it. But it's one thing to give somebody a, a download code, which is sweet and everything, but it really doesn't like stimulate people in the same way that something like I, there's so many times in marketing and, and even in music production too, where like you need to snap people out of that trance. All right. Oh, yeah. And it's like, if somebody gives me a record, it's like, cool. Like records used to snap me out of my trance because we never used to see them, you know, like a new record, like a new young artist doing a record. Well, in the past 15 years, 20 years, that's changed. So now you got to snap them out of that trance again and say, here's a pencil case. Here's some chili pepper right. with your cassette, you know? Right. So uh, I, that's what I love about it. I would say that that exists in music in general, Yeah. but then in the hip hop genre that we're in yeah. and it's like magnified times a thousand because not only is our core audience just their heart, like hip hop fans typically are also practitioners. They're all like, the fans are also the artists, so they're extra critical. Yeah. They don't want to spend a buck. Yeah. They don't want to... They, they just want... The, it's hard to explain, yeah. but I think you I think I'm getting my point across. Yeah, they, yeah. They're just very difficult to connect with because of how involved in the genre of music they are themselves already. Well, hip-hop is about the culture, right? The culture is more right. embedded in hip-hop than I think in, in any other genre. Maybe, I, I would have maybe punk, so. maybe uh, right, right, punk. exactly. And punk yeah. and hip hop, you know, we navigate the underground hip hop realm. We're not mainstream like mm -hmm. that, so we're, yeah. you know, we're more akin to punk music for sure. And, yeah. and the vibe at a, at, a, at a show would be like a, you know, we play shows at punk 
venues and dive yeah. bars. Yeah. Like that's kind of the, that's what I grew up in. Sure. You know, the, the mid nineties, late nineties, they were all, it was all kind of counterculture. Yeah. So when a marketing, a guy like yourself comes up with an idea to do a pencil case, um, for an album, it's, it's cool. It's different, but sometimes, uh, it would like, it just doesn't resonate with fans. So what's fans reactions to these types of things? I, I'm using the pencil case as an example, but you've done other things like the tea and the spice. Yeah. So like, what is it about it that attracts those people and how are they responding to some of these big chances that you're taking? You know, I, I would say I got to shout out the full play supporters, the full play family. Um, they, I, I just feel like we've, we're all like on a common ground together and, and it's, it's not so much like a artist and label fans. Yeah. It's kind of like all an interconnected community. Um, so I, I feel like we get a, a, a good amount of support. Um, it's, it's kind of like whatever we do, I, I just feel like it's like, okay, well, what are y'all going to do next? Yeah. It's not extremely critical. It's not like, Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Or that was corny. I just feel like we kind of, not that we can't miss, but that what we do, our fans will appreciate it and, and, and find the thought that we put into it because, you know, everything is very meticulous. Everything is extremely planned out and methodical and deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. So has that, has this set the bar? Like now, like does every major release from full plate have to have some sort of spectacle to it? Yeah. Some An something. Artifact? For, for an example. Yeah. I, I think so. Especially as we move into our 10th year here, Yeah, we just did a, a beat tape instrumental project from my partner, bat sauce that we, I'm looking he at lived this in right Vietnam. now. Yeah. He lived in Vietnam for a few years. Yeah. Um, and he made, he crafted a lot of instrumentals while he was out there. And I was like, look, let's put that album out on Tet on Lunar New Year. Yeah. That's Vietnamese New Year. And I'm, and I'm like, let's do like a lantern with it. Yeah. Actually, the lantern was his idea. Okay. And then we, we got like the little, the little tassel envelope that looked, because it's called Dispatches from Da Nang. And I was like, oh, that little old school tassel envelope was like what they would have on like ships, transatlantic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so we, yeah. We tried to build like a little story behind it, but the story was already there. So we're just trying to tell the story with wow. affordable little accoutrements, if you will, is full plate. So everything has a food something. Okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think we're certainly leaning into that and it just helps. It helps sell the tapes. It help, helps to make it more fun and, and it gives the project its own other element. Yeah. I feel like. uh, so just for our listeners, I mean, you can, uh, people listening, uh, let me give a little bit of full plate, F-U-L-L-P-L-A-T-E dot bandcamp.com. They can check out what we're talking about as we're doing this. But the, the most recent release is these orange paper lanterns. Uh, and you say they're about six inch. Um, they're cool. really cool, really beautiful. And, and you talk about like, you know, the, the pencil case for me, like some people might use this. But for me, in like in my office, it goes on my it goes my desk, it goes on the shelf. It's like it's an artifact to be like, right. oh, that's a label we've had on the podcast. They do a, it's a conversation piece, right? Paper lanterns, the same kind of thing. Or or for some fans, it goes in their bedroom. Like it's yeah. actually a cool little decoration. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, we have we had a friend, uh, someone who bought the tape, and he has like a little dojo room. You know, he's like a jujitsu. Yeah. And he put the lantern up, and it just looked cool and natural, like where it was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, right, like, right. Yeah. Like I'm in here training to the new bat sauce project, and yeah. I got my lantern, and I was like, man, that's thank you, like that's Beautiful. awesome. That's yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah. so dope. I, I got to show you this too because sure. I couldn't send you this. Okay. But this is one of my proudest things I did. I have a project called Garden Instrumentals. Okay. And this is a full plant. And oh, a oh, full plant. plant. Nice. And it's an actual planter that came with this a little disc of dirt and a seed packet. Oh. So wow. I shipped my instrument, my last Garden Instrumentals tape with a flower pot. So uh, that's probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. I just thought that was yeah, yeah. Top. No, I did see. I saw that on your merch table. Hold on, let me go back to full play. I'm here. pretty big into gardening. <laughs> so, yeah. <it's> <laughs> okay, so now that this is part of your thing, okay, yeah, I do see that it's sold out. That's really cool. So, um, garden instrumentals. Okay, so um, now that this is part of your ethos and like part of like what people are known for. Like, what about the artists? Are are they guiding these projects in any way um, and the products? Or, like, are, I know that some artists don't really care about physical media. They don't care even about artwork. They, they're just about the music. So how do you get all of your artists to buy in? Especially when it's Honestly, eating into some of their royalties. Right. And I, and I definitely break it down ahead of time. And I work with them to come up with cost-effective, you know, ideas but i would say that at this point people come to me for that yeah yeah specifically yeah. like artists want to work with full plate and, and you know even before full plate before i started that i was always like kind of like the merch guy when i was doing my indie stuff i always had like a knack for that and yeah. i was always it was just something i'm interested in i get a kick out of it um so i would say like people kind of come to me for my expertise at this point and, and I'm going to come up with something and there, and we're, it's going to happen. Like, yeah, it's no question. I think that's what, what I bring to the table at this point. Yeah. Um, do you ever, I'm curious about the process. Like, do you ever fantasize about when your audience gets bigger, when your budget gets bigger, you oh, know, boy. like I think we were talking with um, Warp about Apex Twins Blimp. I think it was. Yeah, um, I remember that. Episode. Yeah, and I, so I mean, like, I'm I'm curious, like, what what would be a dream project if money was no issue and you could guarantee a thousand units sold? Has there ever oh, been something man. that you were like, oh, I would love to do this, but we just can't make it work? You know, honestly, I I can't say I have. A, a dream project like that. I just, I have reality projects. Yeah. Um, that's good. I, 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 I really can't, I, I can't off the top of my head. I, I could say that the next project we're about to announce is a dream project. Oh, cool. With dream collaborations. Uh, it's our biggest investment to date. Wow. Um, it's, it's our biggest project, our biggest thing. Um, so, you know, what my dream, what, what my dream would be more than a project would be a dream tour. Being able to tour okay. the music is yeah. a bigger deal for me than I feel like I've not mastered the physical projects, but I, I feel like there's a disparity. Yeah. Um, because I love being on the road. 
I think I'm great live for whoever's <laughs> listening out there. And, and, and I do have tour experience. I'm a road warrior. My dream is to have more of a sustainable touring operation. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. even have to be because the, the, the touring, you know, we got hampered up since COVID and it's just really hard to move units outside of shows and outside of band camp. Okay. It's just so hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the, those extra units, those extra couple hundred units that are sitting under the bed, yeah. those, that's what gets show, sold yeah. at the shows. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's a little bit more margin too, right? Because you don't have the shipping and the, and, our, and there's no, you know, USPS, like how many yeah. lost a lot of orders. Lost yeah. A lot of yeah. And how many, um, are you selling products at, like the, the, the bundles that shows too? Yeah, I'll, I'll typically, you know, um, it depends. Like some stuff will make exclusive um, okay. to online, just depending on what's available. Yeah. And, and sometimes we try to direct people to hit the site and buy more. Yeah. But typically my merch setup is pretty rad. I'll have like a TV screen on my merch table with oh, like cool. videos playing and like, you know, I've got merch grids. and yeah. But yeah, I'm, I have like an epic merch setup. I've always been known for having like, like the most one of the most official merch setups in underground rap yeah yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah definitely well that's great and and i just think going back to the online thing too when i was thinking about these bundles you talked about the bundles and, and maybe tell me a little bit about the economics of them because i was reading something a, a while ago like if you have one option for people in on Bandcamp, mostly it's digital or even just one vinyl then the question in the customer's mind is, do I buy this or do I not buy this? If you have more than one option, then the question changes from that to which one do I buy? And mm. so it's kind of like having more options actually can, um, having too many options is paralyzing, but having more than one option can actually stimulate people to buy, especially when they're like, okay, $30 for the vinyl or $60 for everything this guy makes. Oh. It's kind of like, you know what? 30 bucks is a, is a tough pill to swallow. 60 isn't that much more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially when so, shipping. Yeah. Right. So I guess everything starts with, with the fact that I am a rabid collector. Yeah. Always have been. I'm a completionist. I'm yeah. obsessive compulsive. Yeah. Same. I have certain, <laughs> I, right. Yeah, I know. So I have certain artists. Like I have a vast record collection. I have a vast collection of magazines, toys, yeah. adjacent merch, whatever. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Yeah. So basically what I've tried to do is create that same feeling with our merchandise and our catalog that I have as a fan and, and got to have it all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like the bundles are like for people like me who are like, I don't care what it costs. If there's, if, if it's 60 bucks and it's everything, give me everything. Yeah. Cause I'm going to lose sleep. If I don't have the cassette version, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm going to, yeah. and you're going to sell out. There's only 50, like give, I need it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way I am. I can't help it. So uh, we're definitely trying to recreate that collectible experience and have, you know, we love when we see people with the shelf full of our artifacts and we yeah. have people that, that buy every single thing, no yeah. matter what the day of, like, that's what we're going for. Yeah. All that, yeah. That's awesome. And I, I think that's so great when somebody, I've talked to a few labels like this and all, honestly, I, I've talked to 
a lot of labels like this where what stimulates them as a music fan and as a consumer, they parlay into what their label is known for. That's really awesome. That's sweet. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a great pattern that just shows the authenticity of of the creators and and yeah, I mean that's what makes the indie labels an indie label, right? It, 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 there's no corporate monolith structure behind you determining, you know, what you do to gain profits. So like we're yeah. just doing what we like to do and <laughs> doing what comes naturally. Yeah. In, until <laughs> Until I'm forced to stop. <laughs> Until I'm forced to stop. Um, so tell me about um, the, talking about, let's leave the products for a second and tell me a little bit about CDs and vinyl and tapes. Because I see that you do all of them at some diff, in some different levels. What have you noticed to be working best with your audience and how do you know what formats to do for a project? Is the default to do all three? or like, uh, How do you kind of gauge that? That's a great question. Um, I would say that we're a vinyl label and that our goal is to, is to put projects on vinyl, Uh, but not every project. um, So not every project necessitates a vinyl release uh, due to timing and and cost. Mainly we focus on our full vocal rap albums as definite vinyl releases. Um, and then I grew up in what's known as the beat tape era or, you know, like producers, beat makers would have cassette tapes with all their beats on them and pass them around to other producers or rappers to yeah. try and make songs. That's So we focus our instrumental projects on cassette tape just because that's kind of the, the niche of the genre of the instrumental genre yeah. is to be on a tape. And we're leaning into that aesthetic okay. wholeheartedly. Uh, we've seen, you probably remember there was a real thirst for tapes in the early 2010s. Um, the hipsters driving their mom's Volvos all had <laughs> tape players and they were all buying tapes. And that was kind of when we started doing them, yeah. um, in the early 2010s. Cause it was yeah. like, Oh, these are cheap. And we grew up loving tapes totally. and, and so, Oh, this is great. Let's do yeah. tapes. I've noticed a strong decline in tapes. Wow. Um, so that's why we've tried to focus instrumental projects onto that format yeah. to try and push the sale of that inexpensive format. Right. Um, so you've CDs, noticed a decline in tapes in, in the film. Yeah. Big I've time. heard that. I've heard that. Big time. And, and then also our distributor. Why do you think that is? I think that the, the, that same hipster generation of the mid 2010s, uh, grew up into their late twenties and stopped caring about that. Right. And then you're left with the diehard collectors and completionists. Right. And I just don't think there's enough of them to, to fill that same demand when you had more of an active retail from a, I guess a younger audience. It felt like, it felt like it was younger people. I, I, yeah. I, I have heard that a little bit, I think as well, and not to say that tapes are dead in any way. I think there's there. It's small. It's very small. Right. It's um, a smaller pool. It's a smaller pool. I can do 25 and easily sell out, but, right. but like m- m- they're not hugely profitable. And then I do 50 and I'll have a handful left over. But right. I, I, um, I think too with tapes, cause I noticed that too in the early 2010s. And I even remembered a big end cap at um, Ur- was Urban Outfitters, I think it was. Yep. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, this is coming, this is happening. But I don't think that there was any, 
a lot of support for it from outside of the fans. I think that's what stalled it is that we didn't get a cassette player yet. There is a new one now that's finally out that's Bluetooth and it's, um, you know, li lithium ion and stuff, right? I think I'm going to get it, bro. Me too. I want it as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Me too. But, um, I, you know, that was just, that came too late, I think, or, or yeah. it took a long time to come. And so we didn't right. have players exactly. and then also retailers, you know, even the, the record stores who are supportive of tapes just couldn't give it the floor space, the display it needed, you know? Right. And my distributor, our, our distributor stopped distributing tapes and oh. that was kind of like, Oh, okay, well we're on our own at this point. Yeah. Like, so so that was like in the, I guess maybe like 2017 when they stopped doing wow. tapes for us. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it's been much, um, we've had to kind of refocus. Um, and, and so we don't necessarily put every album on tape. So sometimes we'll only put it on vinyl to just eliminate the options and eliminate, you know, yeah. cause to your point of what you spoke about earlier, I think we're, it used, you know, more options were better. I think it's kind of curtailing now. People are a little more streamlined. You yeah. know, there's too many color variants. There's too many bundle options. Yeah. There's too many this, too many that. Like, can I just get the black record? Can I just get the yeah? Well, five bucks and get a record. <laughs> I think records probably um, put a nail in one of the 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 nails in in in, in uh, the tapes coffin too because yeah, I noticed when I did a record. Uh, in the early, I think it was 2013 that I did a record. I think it was maybe my first record, first vinyl pressing in 2013. And all these people are like, I'm going to buy your record. I'm going to buy your record. I barely sold any because like not as many people as I thought had record players, even though everyone right. was talking about, but now all those people do have record players right. and all those people buy vinyl as the default. So right. it's kind of like, Vinyl has continued to go up, whereas tapes kind of just hit this wall where it's like, yeah. or the ceiling, where it's like, listen, we don't have the players. I've also saw, tell me if you noticed this, with tapes, um, I noticed at retail level, there was like such a discrepancy in price that it was like online, it was like seven, eight bucks, sometimes even lower. And right. the major labels and even the major indies were retailing them for nineteen ninety nine, right? Just gouging. Like, yeah, and like, yeah, like a Justin Bieber or Gal uh, Guardians of the Galaxy would be like twenty twenty five bucks, and and to me it's like whoa 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 like it shouldn't be that high. They're ruining it. It's kind of <laughs> ruining it. Yeah. Ah. And I will say, um, CDs just stink. Like they just. <laughs> They just stink. I mean, I, I wish they would sell because they're cheap and they're yeah. easy to ship and they don't get damaged or cracked or yeah. broken. Or they're tanks. Yeah. But it's just so hard to move them. And we find too, like, it's so funny. Like if we'll put it out on vinyl, we'll be like, well, are you going to put it on CD? Yeah. And it's like, well, are you even going to buy it? I know. And then we put it out on CD and I it's know. like, well, are you going to put it out on vinyl? And it's like, I know. Well, I know. It's so crazy. So, but you do CDs. So are you stopping doing that? It depends. Like we did CDs for the 83 kids project. Um, the trapper keeper one really just because I like the format of the art as yeah. a trapper keeper. Yeah. I thought it would look cool as a CD. Um, and our distributor was willing to, to take a, take a good amount. And I was like, well, may as well just do it. Yeah. 
but not everything. It's really going to depend on the project and if it lends itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like CDs are, we also sorry to cut no, you off. Yeah. We also included the bonus instrumentals on the last CD. Oh. So that's something that we typically try and do is make it, take advantage of the format yeah. since we have more space yeah. and then make it something that is different again, from that completionist standpoint, if I, if I'm buying the vinyl, but I see this, the CD has the instrumentals and that's the only way to get the instrumentals nice. and I'm a DJ yeah. knowing that I might want those instrumentals. I, and I'm yep. like, yeah, just get the bundle. So yep. we try and do things like that, whether it's a bonus track or, you know, something just to make, make each format a little more exclusive. That's really smart. Yeah. Something like that, just to push people to, to, cause I know they want it. I know yep. they want it. They want everything. <laughs> I just got to give you enough reasons to push the button. That's really a smart idea to put some kind of like exclusive tracks on, on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah. See, I'm with you with CDs and like, the only reason I ever think about CDs is because people message me. I'm pretty sure I just have one guy right, right. now who's like wants everything do. on CD. So, but at the same time, like if you do a CD nicely, there are some places in Japan that want them. There yep. are um, some like 40, 50, depending on your music, 40, 50 plus people who want CDs. So, and at shows, like they still actually do okay because they're ten bucks and yeah, and it's 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 a takeaway. It's, yeah. it's something you know at shows. Yeah, it's definitely a whole different ball game. Yeah, you, you'd love to have them. They're easy to transport. They're easy to take on tour. Yeah. they don't get damaged. They don't. You know, I always hesitate yeah. doing them, but I I really should look at the numbers because I'm pretty sure I could just sell twenty and break even. Like it right. So and then you have them for promo and then you have you, them. Yeah. So it's not like, like you look at vinyl and like how like prohibitive vinyl is to get into. It's like, why am I even at, why am I even talking about CDs? Just do them and serve those people, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's affordable enough, you know? I, I literally sold a CD yesterday on Bandcamp that was pressed like 12 years ago. And there's like three or four copies of them here. I'm like, well, that's free money. That That's right. That's yeah. right. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's what catalog is, is all yeah, about. Yeah. That's what, you know, inventory, you know, I'm, I'm always gonna, I don't take, I don't take it as a loss. I just understand that the sale is going to come at a different time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. Give me the history of the label here. We've talking so much sure. about formats, but I mean, that's because you sent me so many beautiful records, but um, <laughs> t t tell me about um, the history of, of your label. Cause you said you're coming up on 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Th this year is our tenth year um, in operation. Um, wow! Congrats. Cheers to that. Yeah, cheers. Gonna spike my coffee. Sure. Um, maybe I will. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I grew up uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, um, th which is Northeast Florida. For for those unfamiliar with Florida, it's it's not really Florida that you see on the news. Okay. It's the very top of Florida. Right. It's it's um. It's a military town, and it has a lot of New York and Northeast transplants. Oh, so wow. it's a very unique part of the world because it's, it. Jacksonville, Florida, in the '90s had an extremely like East Coast New York hip hop aesthetic that other Crazy. cities in the South didn't really have. Like it's not that. really a South like down South. You think of like the South, <laughs> like that's not Jacksonville, even though that's where it's situated. Yeah, it's really like a transplant town. So mm. I'm giving you the context 
context because um, growing up in that scene, it wasn't like um, growing up like in a dirty South type of scene, like maybe in Atlanta or, you know, so either way, my mentor and partner um, that I started full play with, his name is Peyton Locke. Okay. Rest in peace. Um, he moved, he cut his teeth um, in music up in Boston and had transplanted to Jacksonville, Florida in the, in the mid nineties. Um, and he, he was a prominent figure in the Jacksonville hip hop scene. Um, and was my mentor growing up and like hmm. my idol, he had a group called Asimov, A S A M O V who made big moves in the early two thousands. And if you've ever heard of like little brother or ninth wonder, who's ninth wonder is like a major producer, Grammy winning, like they came up through the same cloth of, of this, like ninth wonder and their click was from like North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's also like South, but not South. Sure. But either way, yeah. Asimov and Peyton Locke came up through like highly revered, you know, like they had like J live on their first album and like, Ninth Wonder was doing beats for the first Asimov album. Mr. Lift, Acrobatic. These are like Boston icons and rap legends. Mm-hmm. All of this was coming out of Jacksonville, Florida. Wow. So that that's what I was under their tutelage and was like a fan of them. They were like a decade above me. And I was like the next class coming up. <laughs> so I had made a bunch of music with Peyton. Um, and he was like my idol. I was so thrilled to work with him. We had put out an album in 2009 called studies in hunger, which was like my first, I guess, debut album as Dylan. Um, we had Chuck D from public enemy on the album. Shout out to Chuck D. So we were like doing like, you know, like it felt important, that, yeah. you know, we we're yeah. making official moves. Um, and so we had put this album out in 2009 studies in hunger. Then 2013, the label we had put it out with a little small indie label, uh, out of Orlando called domination. Um, who was also at the time working with MF doom hmm. unbeknownst <laughs> before he was huge. Like yeah. we were on like, labels with MF doom and like count base D in like the early two thousands before everything kind of took off, sure. you know? So, so domination folded and then we had the rights back to our album. Hmm. And I was like, we didn't know what to do. This was 2013. It was a digital netherworld. Yeah. Yeah. Streaming was, uh, had got a foothold, but it wasn't really like mandatory, like how it is today. No, sure. I probably still had a free Spotify subscription. Yeah, I, I think it maybe just had come to America that. Yeah. Just. It was, so it was like, we didn't know what to do, bro. Like we yeah. didn't know, like, how do we get distribution? What do we, how do we get on iTunes? Like, yeah, it was all relatively new. Like distro kid didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I had my stuff on like reverb nation. Okay, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. To give you some context yeah yeah so we were like all right me and peyton and i were like we have the rights to our album it's not on itunes anymore it needs to be up there we need to like find a way to to put our music into this new digital space that's being created like it's time to start our own label we had been in talks about it forever it was yeah. something we always wanted to do uh my brother peyton is a musicologist um was a profound record collector and master of labels and knowledge of labels and every label, every, he had like, you know, maybe 20,000 records, like his entire, he was a musicologist, like first and foremost. So that was kind of like, we're like, if we're going to do a label, we're going to do it right. You know what I mean? We're going to 
have be cohesive, have a vision, have a have a have a motif or you know, yeah. thinking of like just blue note, prestige, impulse, black jazz, stones throw. Yeah. yeah. You know, um so that's when we started the label in 2013. Um and so the very first thing we did, I don't have one here, but we put out an oven mitt <laughs> with the full plate logo, like an actual oven mitt. Wow. And then we 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 had a little mini USB drive, a custom one made of an oven mitt, yeah, um, with our names on it and the name of the album. And on the album or on the USB drive was the we um, remastered the 2009 version, and then we put bonus instrumentals on there. And then we also put because we re we announced it in Thanksgiving of 2013, <sighs> we put a Thanksgiving recipe. PDF <laughs> from myself and one from Peyton um, because we had come up with this idea of full plate. Yeah. So, can you, can you like give us like a little offshoot here as to the, the name yeah. and the connection to food? Yes, I should. That, that would, I probably could have started with that. So, <laughs> I am obsessed uh, with food, cooking. Um, in college, I was a hibachi chef. Oh, you know, like I was just at a hibachi on the weekend. Nice. Did they do onion <laughs> volcano? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My All kids right, love it. Yeah. yeah. My mine was pretty good. <laughs> I would do the I would flip it upside down and do the onion tornado. But anyway. Well, dude, this guy was was pretty rough. He was uh he must have been new because I, I've seen way better. <laughs> Imagine an eighteen year old Dylan cooking for you in Gainesville, Florida. But um <laughs> which is actually how I met Chuck D. I was cooking for him. I cooked for him at my hibachi restaurant. Oh wow. And I was like you know, I got to get you on my album. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've always been obsessed with food. Um, and I've always kind of in, incorporated into my music, into my persona, um, into my day-to-day -day actual That's life cool. and job. Um, I was, you know, a lot of musicians are bartenders. I was always like a server, yeah. you know, yeah. but always I get a kick out of food and gourmet yeah, yeah. food. Like it was, it's great. It's funny because um, a lot of people keep their day jobs separate from their label. They try to hide those two worlds yeah, from each other. Point, they just happened. There was That's no way. Cool. Good for you. Um, so full plate was kind of a name we came up with because one, we're constantly over committing and doing way too much. Uh, we're doing double meaning. So yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Without a doubt. Like we're yeah. always, you know, Peyton and I were both like marker board people yeah. with, you know, your 10,000 things to do. So, you know, it was full plate. Like we have, we have a full plate of on a, our agenda. Um, it also records we're, we're going hard for vinyl. Like before it was cool. Yeah. Like we've always, I've been putting out my own vinyl. I put out my very first record at when I was 18 in 2003 so you know it wasn't cool then I, i've just i grew up a dj collecting yeah. vinyl i'm obsessed yeah. with it and so when we were growing up the ultimate goal was to have your music on wax like that was it right so that's what we're doing right um, wow so that's the full play like the the record and our original logo had a fork and a turntable tone arm on one side okay so like, nice you know yeah so but but then and then also just a literal sense of like yeah you're gonna get food like um i do like dinner parties called plates and crates where i cook like a five course vegan meal and there's djs spinning vinyl and there's djs selling vinyl so it's kind of like this that's a great idea this, in a, 
integration of food and music that is kind of unique to what I care about. I cook every live performance. I have a panini press and I make sandwiches every time I perform live. Oh my that, gosh. I've been doing that for 10 years. So it's like a whole, like when you, when you see I the full I feel like I've heard of that before. I wonder if I've and seen a video of that. Was, I hope it was me, baby. I'll send you a link. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, that, that does sound familiar. I wonder if I've ever seen like a a video of that or something. Yeah, somebody my, posted. My rap panini, that's what I call it, rap panini. And I make sandwiches and rap and then I serve them to the to Yeah, the crowd. that definitely sounds familiar. I think I've seen that. I, 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 I got, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to look that up. I think I've seen that before. Like that's probably, awesome. it's probably you. I hope. <laughs> if there's another person, I'm I'm gonna find them. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm sure there's not. I'm sure there's not. That's hilarious. I, so, honestly, yeah, I, mean, I gotta yeah. find that. Oh my gosh. Keep cool going. Play. Keep telling me your story. I'll send. I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah, actually. yeah. But if yeah, if you type Dylan Panini, so live. So the food. Con- I get the food connection, but like, and so so tell me when things started to take off and when things started to when you started to do these like special projects, special products. Yeah. I would say that we've kind of grown our fan base, I guess, based on that. It's, it's odd. Like it's a lot of the folks I feel like maybe never opened the tapes ever and they just are on the show. Interesting. And I, I definitely feel like we have a lot of collectors like that. Um, and, and and then we kind of have some that I feel like are probably more into the merch yeah. than the music. Right. And maybe just more into the whole vibe yeah. of the, the the packaging and the product. Are and maybe you okay like, with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Of course, I would wish that everyone would listen to the magnificent complexity of my rhymes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but come on, bro. Like, at this point... I'm just happy you're on board. If yeah. there's anything to glean from what we do, whatever it is, yeah. like that's awesome. That makes me happy. 20 years ago, I think though I was much more trying to get people to just appreciate what I'm doing. Yeah. But it's but you know it's like uh yeah. If you like this then that's awesome. You're yeah. welcome. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I find as a music fan, there are albums I listen to on Spotify or Apple that I really love, that are really beautiful and serve a purpose for me. And then I, I look at the vinyl package and it's either too expensive, shipping's too much, or it's just a black vinyl, it's nothing exciting. And yep. I just think, you know what? I don't want to spend all that money on having something in my collection that's like not that cool of an artifact. And I'll just, I'm just going to stream it or I'm, you know, I'll just buy the digital. And then yep. the complete opposite happens where... Yeah, the music's okay. It's not something I'm going to play all the time, but it looks super cool. And I might whip it out like once a year, put it on like when I have people over for dinner. But it like, I'm so proud of how it looks in my collection. Like, I, yeah. so, so to me, it's like, and, and I have everything in between as a music fan. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think that I'm glad that you're open to those types of fans. Yeah, a little bit of form, a little bit of function. Yeah, you know we have to adapt too with the way our listeners um, want to appreciate music and want to experience it. And I think I just apply the way I consume, just to how we present ourselves as a label. I've found certain things I'm less interested in over the years. Um, I, you know, like, like I don't music videos. Okay, I this agree. is great. Yeah. I freaking 
I never have quite cared. I mean, I appreciate great ones that are over the top and artistically done with storylines and all that. Um, but I just don't care. It's not how I consume. I'm a hundred percent with you, man. I hate that it takes up my eyes, my ears, my brain. Like I, I, it's not natural. It dude. So like, it's definitely a weakness of our label and myself as a artist. Like videos are my weakest link. It it is what it is. It's just because I don't, it's not the way I consume, but I'm aware of it and I do my best. Wait, why, but but why can't you just say we're not doing this? Why are you like pushing it forward if you don't believe in it? Some stuff. Well, okay. That's a good question. So I, I try to adapt, um, based on the needs of the market. And I feel like listeners, there's a certain branch of listeners that if you don't have specifically within the hip hop genre, because it's a very impression based, it's a very, how you look, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can understand. Um, and it also, people are going to judge your authenticity based on the way you present it. Right. So, you know, if, 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 if you're just rapping in front of a generic graffiti wall, you know, that's kind of weak. So maybe you're not, maybe your music is not going to have the, the depth okay. um, th- that the visuals are. So, and not to mention they're incredibly expensive if you're going to try and do something right. Yes, I know. Um, yeah. But we've tried to focus on animated videos okay. um, because uh, one, that's something I don't have to stand in front of a camera and, yeah. and have my, you know, baggy eyes looking <laughs> all um, And it can be done behind the scenes yeah, yeah. while a project is cooking, yeah, you know? That's true. Yeah. Um, so that's, we're trying to have something yeah. to at least say we're here. Yeah. We, we understand that, that, you know, a lot of folks pref- enjoy this medium of music. I'm not going to, I can't get, devote all of our resources to it. Um, but you know, for my next major project, I have to do videos. Yeah. Like I just have to, because even like the producers on it and the guest features are so big that if you don't do a video with it in the rap world, it kind of like makes it like, it's just like a fart in the wind almost, you okay. know, I hate to see that. Yep. No, I, I totally respect that. And I, I think also there's a demand for video just in our culture of like, we want to see things like people are yeah. and every social media format is or platform is like designed around video now. So it's kind of like, I get what you're saying. I I refuse to do music videos right now, but at the same time, setting up a nice camera in a studio, filming the artist doing their thing authentically, you still have to, you have to do something. So that's what I choose or a live video or a documentary or whatever. Um, you have to do video. Um, yeah, you just have to, it's, it's, I, I hate it. I hate social media. We're yeah. of the same age. Yeah. We didn't, thank God I did not grow up with this. Yeah, I feel <laughs> for, for the younger folks out there who this is a part of the fabric of their life. Yeah, it is yeah. not part of the fabric of my life. I detest it. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> felt like 10 years ago, like I was way more gung ho about it and like ready to do it. Like, Oh, yeah. we got to do this now and this. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I'm the grumpy old man. Like, yeah. I'm not, yeah, come yeah. get these vinyl records from the website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I know what you mean. Brain. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And that's okay. I think, I think that, um, you have to kind of really have a good reason as to why you're not doing something and, and what you're doing better instead. That's a great way to put it. And if we can't do it authentically, um, 
it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. You know, unfortunately yeah. I'm, I'm a one man operation. Um, so there's only so many, uh, areas I can focus on, yeah. uh, with full play. And we do have a support team, you know, we have team members. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, like we don't have a TikTok channel, but it's on my list of like 2023, 10 years of full play. Like, what do we need to do? Like, well, maybe we need to experiment with a minimal TikTok presence. Yeah. Even knows? if it's just bare minimum of displaying the catalog. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I've never been on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I, I understand that pull that you feel that enormous amount of pressure for sure. Um, so how do you, how are you measuring growth? How do you know, uh, we got to wrap this up, but I want to ask yeah. you like, how are you, um, how are you saying we are growing 10 years? What is, what do you, how do you want to grow in 2023? How are you saying this is, I'm happy with, I can, I can visually see, I can quantify, see the growth happening for our label. Well, you know, we're both uh, fans and proponents of the email list. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. I would say for us personally, expanding the email list because that seems to be the most authentic way that we can connect with people. Yeah. Um, social media is fleeting. Yeah. Uh, but email is forever. Is working for you. I, it, yes and no. I want to make it work better. Okay. Um, I'm always striving to make it work better. Um, whether that's, you know, on my list, I want to revamp our template that we use and, and try and, get some more engaging tactics from MailChimp, which is our client. Shout okay. out to MailChimp, Atlanta base. <laughs> Atlanta base. Yeah, that's, that's right. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wish, I, you know, we're definitely trying to grow our YouTube channel mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's just, it seems to be a very sneaky. You know, YouTube is the biggest social media platform, even it though is. it's not social I know. media. I know. And, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about this on the show before, and I'm always like, yes, I'm like yeah. chiming in as I'm listening. I'm yeah. like, come on, talk about it. Yeah. So we're really trying to get that to grow. And and that means, you know, getting more enticing visuals, perhaps, yeah. and graft. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so grow, growing the YouTube subscription channel, growing our email base. And, you know, I would love to see um, just more units being sold in record stores on the dis distribution side, because those are people who aren't necessarily tapped into what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. They may not be on our email blast. They may not follow us on social, but if we put out a product with enough enticing, whether it's producers, guest features, the art looks fly. Mm -hmm. There's always download cars and all of our vinyl products, because mm -hmm. for me as a consumer, that will help push me over the edge because I'm a DJ. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not about to spend 40 bucks on a record and then I can't even play it. Yeah. Like in my DJ sets, you know, yeah. I have to go, I still have to go steal it off the internet or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to buy the digital and the vinyl because then I spent 50 bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm cheap. I can't yeah. help it. So <laughs> well, yeah, it, that would be how I, the you know from a from a I guess profitability side, but honestly, I just have one goal in life as an artist and as a record label. It's not even a goal. It's just I want to be prolific. That's oh, yeah. to me. That's the Amen. only undeniable metric. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's not success or failure. It's just did you make? Did you just create? 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 So that's that's my goal. Um, full, so full plate to just have an extensive catalog and just keep adding on to the catalog. Yeah, that's 
that's what it is. It's the long game. I, I, a hundred percent, hundred and fifty percent agree with you. And and I, it always boggles my mind how there are. I don't believe you can call yourself an artist if you don't make art. I don't think you can call yourself a songwriter if you're releasing uh, one EP every three years. In this day and age, I yeah. mean, the, the trade-off, Scott, that we got for technology, <laughs> the fact that we don't have to go to studios yeah, and yeah. we we can do everything from where we want at at, a, at the highest level, yeah. there is a trade-off. There is a cost for that. And the cost is you have to be more productive with that. That's right time you have to be your own marketing agent now because yeah. you save money by not having to pay for studio time it, all That's energy point. stays you know what i mean so yeah. it's like we may have gained and you it, the, the sooner you become aware of that <laughs> and stop expecting you know like you have to know that the, it you get what i'm saying it, there's a cost <laughs> that comes to That's so funny i i remember going to a studio 20 years ago and being like, we have three hours, do everything we can possibly do in this three hours. But right. now I have a studio right here and I would never work three hours condensed like that. Right. It, too lazy, I, like uh, too distracted. That's a great yeah. point. Good exercise. I love that about you, about being prolific. Are you, proli you're proli you, you feel the calling to be prolific as a label owner too? Not just as an artist, yeah. like your own stuff, but like, but yeah, other people's stuff? Like that is what can give us an advantage mm -hmm. or just give us survivability. Yeah. It's, it's just what we are. It's just the, the, the bare rawness of what we are is just, yeah. just create, 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 create. And it, it's very much the wave right now in, in indie rap and underground rap. It, it, but we try and find a line between it where we're not just throwing out 10 projects. We might throw out five, but they'll also have physical components and physical treats and other, yeah. it's not just, we're not just rapidly uploading whatever we can to yeah. distro. Yeah. No, there is a, there is a balance there for sure. Uh, that's my last question is like, when you have these big expensive projects, how many a year are you able to pull off approximately? It depends. Um, it really just depends on the artist and, and it, it, they've all kind of just fall into place whenever they do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I have three on the books, like three full albums for this year. Okay. Um, but if something sneaks in. Yeah. So maybe quarterly then, is kind of like a safe bet almost. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a good estimate. Yeah. That's okay. a good estimate. That's, that's very manageable. Yeah. Like a quarterly big project. And then in between there, maybe like a media, like a beat tape project. Yeah. That's awesome. Or, or maybe a video. Yeah. Or, you know. You know what? I wish I had kind of. I wish I had kind of taken that advice um, when I got started because I was kind of like, I would I was embarrassed if I wasn't doing more than once a month, you know, and uh, and yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way that they just need to quickly beef up their catalog, but quarterly, with sprinkling in a Christmas song here and an instrumental track here or an EP mm -hmm. um, or a reissue here, um, that's just really manageable. Yep, and we do reissues as well. So we've done a couple now, um, ten year anniversary reissues. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, congratulations on everything. You have a really cool uh, story, and you have a. I I like what you've got going on. I I just think it's um, it's something that labels need to do. They don't need to copy you when it comes to like making pencil cases, but they need <laughs> to do something that excites them as a music fan personally. 
I think it starts there. Yeah. Um, man, thank you for having me, Scott. I got to give you your props too, man, because you are the man, bro. I, I feel like, I don't know, like this is like a dream come true for me. I, I've been listening since probably early 2020. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I've gone through the entire back catalog. You know, I finally took the dive over the holidays and got the, the label, uh, the big label kit, which I highly recommend wow, to everyone thank you, out thank there. You. Um, that's the awesome. accounting spreadsheet you gave, uh, that's in the free toolkit. Um, I got that a couple years ago. Like we strictly use that template still for all of our, like that was the first time <laughs> everything's always been in my head and on like yellow notepads and then like email threads, you know, yeah. like we'll just open this thread. Yeah. But now we have, I have accounting spreadsheets for every single project Wow. in your template. Wow. That's so really tools. nice. Thank you. Nah, bro. I, I'm I'm getting real emotional. I'm getting emo yeah, yeah. right now. I know. I'm gonna have to PayPal you for saying all this. I appreciate nah, it. Nah, <laughs> dude. You are the man, bro. Other record labels, other record label podcasts. Like it's such a wealth <laughs> of knowledge and information. And I know you're bringing people together. I always like go follow when I listen to an episode. I go yeah. follow the label. I, yeah. I get into the journey during each episode. That's great. So I hope that all all you fun listeners out there do the same yeah and follow full play well i go ahead oh yeah tell me (laughs) follow us baby we're at full plate fam full plate fam instagram twitter social media youtube i think our p-l-a-t-e-f-a-m like full plate fam we'll we'll put links to it we'll put links for you for sure i think that people are uh in our community are impressed and inspired by people who take chances, you know, mm. and making a hundred pencil cases with pencils and erasers and pencil sharpeners with your with your projects branding screen printed on it. That's a risk. And I think a lot of people are kind of like clap to that because you know, it's like, I don't have, a lot of us like, we don't, like, we don't really believe in our projects enough to put our wallets on the line. And no uh, it's tough to do. So I applaud that for sure. But thank you for saying all that. That's really nice, man. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. You can check out more about Full Plate by going to Full Plate, that's spelled F-U-L-L-P-L-A-T-E dot bandcamp.com. The Bandcamp is probably the best place where you can go to see some of the merch items and the products and the deluxe packages that we talked about in today's episode. Give them a follow on Instagram and on Twitter and of course on Bandcamp, so that you can see the upcoming releases that Dylan was referring to and see how some of the cool uh, merch uh, items that they have planned. I think this is a great interview um, for a lot of us to, to challenge us to do something really exciting and unique with our deluxe packages, to offer um, our audience deluxe packages, not just the one option. And, uh, and to take some risks on merch and to do some fun stuff with the music. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head, head over to otherrecordlabels.com where you can access uh, just a complete uh, pile of <laughs> resources for independent record labels. Thanks for listening.